Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Ladies and gentlemen, from WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Segel. An episode that depressing requires chocolate after watching, I think, so there's some brownies out there somewhere. They're laced with Xanax, that might help. That'll help. Thank Hello, you, thank and you. thank you for listening to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Seigel. I am Greta Johnson, here with Trisha Bobita and Peter Seigel. And there's one thing that we want to let you know about how this works, and Peter, I think you should explain it right off the top. There's a jingle. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. <laughs> I, you looked at me, and I responded with my usual blank expression yeah, of yeah, yeah, ignorance. Yeah. So, it's live, Peter. So here we are. We're at Cards Against Humanity headquarters in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, we want to thank them, Cards Against Humanity. We want to thank our friends at Pipeworks Brewing Company for free beer. Free beer. And we want to thank <laughs> all the fabulous nerds who came out. Beautiful uh, nerds. Braving the rain and ignoring the uh, hockey playoffs. Yeah. Do you, do you guys need, like, score updates or something? We can Hops have Joe or back. Conversely, do you, <laughs> no, do you need, I love how much they don't want to so know. Good. Do you need to, do you need to oh, know? Oh, well, that's a bridge too far, I am offended sir. by that. Does anyone here need to know what hockey is? Does that <laughs> but we're here. This is very exciting. We're going to do our last podcast for the season five of Game of Thrones live in front of you. And as a special treat, uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I said something particularly... <laughs> just man- that one time. Just, just the, the one once. Time. <laughs> I said something particularly mansplainy. And we can't remember who it was, but one of these two... No, we ladies. remember. It was Trisha. Okay. <laughs> Trisha said, you know, what we really need is when you say something offensively repressive like that, <laughs> we should have like a patriarchy jingle. And, and now agreed. we do. That was a great idea. So, <laughs> my friends, uh, Paul and Storm, uh, famous uh, comedy nerd singers, have created a series of patriarchy jingles. And what we've decided to do is, is we're going to let the ladies invoke it <laughs> when, when they warranted. feel necessary. You're when kind warranted. of over-explaining this, so let's hear one. Patriarchy jingle, please. If Peter's opinion falls in the forest, does anybody give a shit? There you are. So Peter. when warranted, you'll hear a patriarchy jingle. And 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 I literally asked for it. So you did. This was Peter's idea in his defense of the patriarchy. <laughs> in defense of Peter and the patriarchy. This was all his that idea. That is always defending the patriarchy, guys. It's, it's kind true. of a problem because in our podcast relationship. Yes. I'm, I'm sexist, oppressive, and mansplaining, <laughs> but I feel vaguely bad about it. <laughs> it's that Catholic guilt, right, Peter? Mm, yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Do you even know me? <laughs> I think we shall begin in Winterfell. Stannis, still the worst... And I'm going to argue totally not dead. Totally Wait not dead. Wait a minute. Dead. So we need to get to this. Actually, it was, um, it was interesting. We were talking about this before the podcast. And Greta pointed out that with the exception of Mrs. Stannis, she's traditional. She took his name. 
Um, you actually don't know that anybody is dead. And I have to thank my friend Jeff for pointing this out. That at every moment, the, it cuts away before the final blow. She's the only actual dead person right. we and see. And then I said to like her, I said end. to Greta, well, except for Jon Snow, but everybody's in no, denial no, no, about no, that. No, 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 no. And Greta said, he's not dead. He's not. There's no way. But we'll get there. We'll start with Winterfell and move forward. I do want to point out the name of the episode, too, as we're going through this, which is Mother's Mercy. Right. Which I think mostly directly results or is related to Cersei. Cersei. And and King's Landing. But I think it is an interesting title, especially for an episode that is not super maternal or warm, right? Or merciful for that. Yeah. (laughs) This was pretty dire all around. Yeah. And and I think we should also say, somebody came up to me and said, oh, do you think it was a good episode? And... No. Well... (laughs) No. Well, and that was Nerdette Recaps... It sucked. It was depressing. Ah, Game of Thrones. Ah, the, it's the worst. Ah. No, what I was going to say, obviously, is that um, uh, it's not, again, an episode. It's the whole season. And this is a chance, and I imagine that's what we will do, is figure out whether this whole season was any good, whether there were good parts, bad parts, because this sort of capped off everything. It certainly answered a lot of questions. For example, was Sansa finally going to do something? Sansa Stark. Okay, reasons I was disappointed with this scene. I'm just going to talk about why I was disappointed in Egypt. And so we're, 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 just gonna, we're, we're starting them with Winterfell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As did the episode. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> right? With Stannis getting a bunch of bad news, like everybody had abandoned him and his wife was hanging from a tree. Yeah. Which I called, by the way. I, I predicted It was a little that. creepy. Sometimes Greta has premonitions as we're watching the episode live together, and she... And usually they're, like, completely unfounded, and they don't ever happen. But she was right. But she yeah. said, Stance's wife is dead, and there she was. Yeah. So, good call. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Trisha Bovita. But yeah, Sansa Stark, why I was disappointed. And Sansa Stark, go on. When she dropped that northern shiv after <laughs> unlocking the door, why did she not take that with Hello, Peter here. Uh, You are about to notice a very strange thing, which is that the audio of Sansa's scene is just going to change (laughs) to audio of scenes in Bravos with no explanation. And the reason is, is when we were recording at Cards Against Humanity headquarters, we had a technical error and we lost a good part of the discussion. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue with this podcast right now. Lots of good stuff to come. And in a special bonus episode, we will recreate that discussion and cover all those burning questions that you had about Sansa and her corkscrew. And I'm not using that as a euphemism. I hated this episode so much, but I'm going to keep watching. <laughs> but I understand why people have a breaking point with this show. And for me, when we were watching it last night, that was almost it. It wasn't the other violence that was about character. It was, let's just gratuitously, really for no good reason, show some 9 to 11-year-old girls getting whipped with a switch. We did not need to see that on screen. That was not necessary to the plot. We already knew Trant was the worst. Well... <laughs> <laughs> They were insouciant little girls. No, um, 
Do we have a different jingle that is more intense Can than... Just... <laughs> I'll play the motherfucker one. I think that's what we need. <laughs> Nobody cares, but it never really stops him. His feet are still fucking talking. <laughs> Um, in the sense, first of all, uh, you don't actually, I, I was a little freaked out too, and I, I noticed when I was rewatching, you don't actually see him hit them. It's all very skillfully done. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. I can see I have my work cut out for me. And then, shortly after he does those things, he's blinded stabbed, gagged, <laughs> and essentially tortured until he's killed. Yeah, I'm fine with all that. All but right. the thing is... My point, I mean, a lot of people have, have said that Game of Thrones uses violence toward women too much, but it's almost always used to indicate the absolute extreme of villainy. It's the, I mean, the worst people are, the, are to use George R.R. R. Martin's word, the rapers and the abusers of women. That's how we establish it. In a world in which people are constantly killing each other in the course of their day, the worst people are the abusers of women. And either they loom above the show like these huge you know, boss-level villains like Ramsay, or they're immediately and horribly murdered. <laughs> <laughs> he did get his own. I will... I will give you that much, yeah. at least. Do you know who I am? I can't hear you. You know who I am. I'm Arya Stark. Do you know who you are? You're no one. You're nothing. I did you guys can you guys explain or in any way man, I guess I just explain the, the business with the Jack and Hagar who is not Jack and Hagar. And he has all the faces, and it turns out to be Arya, and that's the last we see of that figure. My understanding of it, having not read the books, is that, I mean, there is actual magic at play with that death cult, whatever it is, that they have things that they can do with the faces, right? Like, Arya being able to put on a face, she's not ripping it off like a rubber mask, like Mission Impossible 17. It's something a little mystical (laughs) and magical about the way she's able to use it. So it's unclear who actually died, or if no one died, or if... You know, he, he he's clearly a force larger than any single figure in that world. But right. I think it's interesting that it's not the girl. The girl is now becoming his sort of right-hand gal, uh, stays the same all the time. We haven't seen her change yet. But we know that he can do that. Right. So the answer is no. You have no yeah, idea Yeah, no, I have no on. idea. Right. You can give me a patriarchy jingle on can me I if you want. Patriarchy but I, speaking. It's me, but it was my fault. Just just Do the copy editing symbol. You know what I was thinking? I was watching the scene, and it's in that amazing, I guess it's a CGI set of those enormous columns filled with shelves of faces 
going up to the ceiling. I did like the shelves of faces. The shelves of faces are awesome. And all I could think was, how do they get the high ones? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Magic. It's like, it's like somebody comes in and says, oh, Jack and Hagar, I need... He's pretty tall. You need, I need like an Asian guy with a scar. It's the one way up there. And Jack and's like, oh, shit. God damn. And he goes and he has to get the big ladder and he has to climb up and he's got like the pole with the hook in the end. Yeah, yeah that's what he does. Oh, God. You needed, you needed the high one. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dorn. Can we Dorn. go to Dorn? So something happened finally. Something happened, finally. So, that could have happened in two scenes in any episode of this whole season. And we could have had like eight more episodes of Bronn singing going, who cares where? But the, the Bronn the Bron storyline did not make it worth everything else that was I, happening. I, I think we can say, though, and this has been five seasons of a very intense, dialogue-heavy, very written, well-written TV show. I think we can say, what is the line, you, you want a nice girl, but you need a bad pussy... Is the single Artistry. stupidest thing. Girl. Girl. You need a good girl. You want a good girl, but you need a bad pussy. Yeah. Is the single stupidest line uttered on this TV show in five <laughs> yeah, seasons. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Trisha that's was like, pretty pissed about that's, that too. That's frankly, fifty hours of dialogue-heavy television, and that's the winner. That's the single dumbest. It's line. The dumbest line. I think well, it's not he... even grammatically correct. <laughs> no, really, I wanted Stannis to pop up. <laughs> And say, you know, I mean, I don't know how you'd correct the grammar. It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, moving right along. Well, and you know that Marcella and Jamie are doomed because they had such a nice moment. Yeah, I, yeah I, although that was so, the, the, the bathos of that scene. It was like, well, there's something I really should have told you oh, yeah. a long time ago. It was ago. heavy handed. It was heavy oh, and then I was like, oh, you don't need to tell me. Yeah. Oh, I already know. No, I, I think I always that I am the subject of an incestuous happy. union, and I'm so happy. And I'm glad. I'm glad that you're my father. I like it. I kind of like it. And really, I was like, you're letting him off the hook. Yeah. Because I really, what I really wanted the scene to do is like, well, it turns out I'm your father. I fucked my sister. <laughs> And All. she's like, dude, that's nasty. Yeah, and she would have been like, and I really wanted her to go, you are fucking kidding me. That is, and just start screaming with horror. Yeah. No, they're going to hug and make up, and then she's going to maybe die. Did you guys expect her to, to, to die? I was surprised. Do you think she actually is dead, though? I mean, that's another one. She's dead. She's you dead. Think she's actually dead. She's dead. All right. Uh, every... Masala? Masala? Stella? Stella? She's dead. Tristane has some antidote on it. No way. You don't think so? I don't think Tristane is think... smart enough to carry <laughs> antidotes. I think I think of the characters we've mentioned, she's dead. Stannis is dead. I think Stannis is dead. Uh, by the way, I also want to I want to skip back. You know when they when what's her name? Brienne swings a sword and they cut that slam cut to Ramsay killing somebody, and then he's on the battlefield and there's the guy crawling away. Mm. Have we not watched enough TV to know, <laughs> and movies, that if you're wounded on the battlefield, <laughs> just fucking lie there. Just do not <laughs> crawl away Stop when moving. the enemy is standing right there. I surrender. Just, just, just 
think, just lie there and concentrate on rotting. Just <laughs> do some rigor mortis, just whatever, you know, try to attract flies. Be dead. Do not crawl away. Thank you. That was a public service announcement for Nerdhead Recaps Game of Thrones. The wisdom of the ages wrapped up in the body of a short, bald game show host. <laughs> Trisha, I just need to read your notes for a second no, here. No, don't. Trisha takes beautiful notes. She really does. From there, these episodes. I live, I live type the episode as we watch it on a separate computer. So, <laughs> this is so good. Oh, okay, no. so this is from Dorn. No, it's nice. Don't worry. <laughs> you know people can be complicated. We don't choose who we love. I know. I'm glad that you're my father. All caps, hug. Nosebleed. Sand snake, mom nosebleed. She takes the antidote. No, but you missed the important part, which is at the top of the scene. It's, it's like it says, Dorn, ugh. And then it says, weird long kiss poison lipstick. So you saw that coming. I, did, I called it. Yeah. I, 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 did, I did not see that coming. I yeah, that like it. was too like oh, yeah, no, Bond was, girl yeah. villain situation of like, oh, this is how they tried to kill Castro. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. This WBEZ podcast is supported by Hacia, whose Executive Fellows Program provides Black and Latinx business owners with real-world tools and strategies needed to master fundamental management concepts related to company stability and growth. Registrants learn through one-on-one executive coaching sessions with subject matter experts in the areas of finance, business development, operations, and legal. More info at HACIAWorks.org. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Okay, so we're good on Dorn. We're yeah, good on we're Dorn. going There's to Marie. Nothing left to be said about Dorn. So we have nothing left to say about Dorn. Okay. <laughs> we have the clip of the dragon, which I know isn't exactly happening in Marine, but we're calling all of that Marine. So there's the dragon. We have to go home. Oh, my poor sweet thing. Does it hurt? We have to go home. That was fair. I thought the dragon was cute. Yeah, he was so tired was and hurt. Yeah. It was like, you have to take me back to Marine. <laughs> <laughs> Not going. Somebody whoever, tweeted that whoever, question at us, right? I think so, yeah. key? Whoever animated that scene, because it was all CGI animation, totally has a The dog. dragon is not real? The dragon is not real. It's like, it's like totally has a, come on, we're going to go outside. It's like the great Dane puppy who doesn't want to get up. No. No, no. <laughs> I don't want to fly. It was kind of cute. Yeah. I did. I have to say, though, before that scene when Jorah and Tyrion and Dario are standing around, they're like, oh, my God, we have to go save Danny. It's like, why do you have to go save Danny? Like, what about watching her fly away on that fucking dragon makes you think that you need to go help her. Like, I'm pretty sure she's fine. It's, it's the patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, we need, we need a patriarchy jingle for Jorah and what's-his-face. Uh, 
Daria. So annoying. <laughs> really? Why? I th- I think if they had just put the scene with Danny and the dragon that won't fly first, it would have been a lot more fitting. Because then you're like, oh, she actually maybe is in some trouble. But otherwise, like she flew off on her dragon and like, left she you left all to die in this creepy. And how did somebody asked me this before we started? How the hell? Did the rest of them get out? Exactly. Like because they, they were right. still surrounded by a number of Sons of the Harpy. Exactly. And was it like the Sons of the Harpy were like, you know... Now that Danny's gone, we're... Oh, God, look at the time. You know, <laughs> we've, got, we've got like a human sacrifice at the other end of yeah. town. We're already 20 minutes late. You don't want to keep the victim we waiting. We have to we go collect go. a lot more gold to melt because yeah. we need more yeah. masks. I know. It's like, but the last we saw... I my friend he could borrow my mask later. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not feeling it, they say, and they leave. But anyway, they're out of the thing. But it was nice to see Grey Worm out of bed. His hospital bed. Oh, God, Grey Worm. I know. Grey Worm is back. That was lame. Why was it lame? I don't know. I just, that whole scene I thought was really like, yeah, I just found it tiresome. (laughs) (laughs) Do you even like this TV show? She kind of, you know. Seriously. You're like, fuck Dorn. I hate this. That's tiresome. Trisha was the one who said, fuck Dorn, okay? You know, you could just be watching Arrested Development over and over again. I do, thank you. All right. I do. Yeah, no, I stopped watching halfway through season four. I just caught up because we were going to do these recaps. That's, that. I gave up, okay? Is a nerd confession <laughs> for That's the ages. Amazing. So obviously. Save that for the finale. Also, I had to berate her into finishing watching because I hadn't watched it for several seasons and you were one of the people berating me about watching the show. I just hadn't started yet. I had, you know, I didn't have HBO and, you know. I finally caught up after painstaking binge watching, and then I was like, no, "And you were like, yeah, I'm over it. it. Cool. That's not acceptable. <laughs> we are watching it forever." This is maybe a good place to mention this. Remember, I said last week, "Oh well, you know, in the books, Danny just ends up sitting on a sand dune yeah. somewhere." That's more or less the ending. She's yep. sitting in a sand dune, and then a colossar rides up, a bunch more uh, Dothraki, and that's it. And in that instance, and in many other instances, including more or less. Theon jumping off the, the castle but not knowing what happens after that. And in Jon Snow, we're going to get to that, we are now caught up exactly where all the books end. Although, as was pointed out to me, again, before the taping began, there's still some material, a lot of material, especially in the, the I think, the is it the fourth book? That uh, they can still go back to if they want to pick up there. But we, the, in terms of the major characters, we have gotten to where they were. Are you okay? I'm not. <laughs> because that means that if we do this next season, I'll be sitting here with no uh, expertise, knowledge. Down here with, with the rest of us. Peter. I will have nothing. I will, be, I will be like the Wizard of Oz pulled from behind the curtain. I'll have nothing. <laughs> I'll just be a little short, bald guy again. Speaking of little short, bald guys. Oh, nice. Varys just travels by what? By port key, by... I mean, he well, just... Yeah, that's not really fair, because he was on the way to Marine when Tyrion got kidnapped and got put in a boat and they got waylaid That's by true. all kinds of things including uh, horrible grayscale lepers, zombies yeah. and slavers. So there was enough time for Varys to get But he there. was just on the balcony hadn't checked in just hello. I mean hadn't checked in like, I mean, to the hotel <laughs> had to get the key put your bags away welcome to the Welcome to the Marine Marriott. I mean, there's no security system in place to keep the person who's in charge now of Marine from just walking up to the balcony. Like, he just gets to come on in. Nobody there knows him. I just want to say, I haven't, I know it, but people don't notice you if you're bald. You're just... 
You're not a threat. <laughs> so he's been there the entire time, and we just didn't we notice him. We should go back and watch you more carefully. Him. You didn't notice him because you're women, and you don't pay attention to bald guys. I think, yeah, play yeah. one, play yeah. one. Gather around and listen while old Peter Sagelman explains this show to you. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> I was not, they had a nice little reunion, though. I did miss you, says Tyrion. It was cute. And they really are setting us up in a very obvious way, in a way that's probably unique to this episode for what's going to happen next season, which is Tyrion trying to run Marine in an uneasy relationship with Mer- Messende and, uh, and Grey Worm. And that will be like a sitcom. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Tyrion runs Marine. Tyrion, you did it again. Seriously, <laughs> 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 odd couple. It's pretty you have odd. Tyrion, <laughs> and you have, uh, and you have, you know, Tyrion, who's kind of like, who's a, who's the drunk, smart ass, and you have Grey Worm, who's like the very straight laced guy who never smiles. And then you have the woman to roll her eyes at both of them. It'll be a hilarious. <laughs> Sounds like a structure that could work. Yeah. <laughs> so we did have questions from via the Twitters about why Daenerys dropped her ring. Well, obviously she's leaving a clue for those she assumes to be looking for her. Yeah. Which Next they question. Are, luckily. <laughs> Let's just go. Thanks, let's Peter. just go next Thanks. location. Actually, I think we yeah. can just go King's to King's Landing. Landing. Oh my gosh! Oh, okay. was it weird to watch that scene with like other people in a room, guys? I feel like that would have yeah. been like you're eating I, I, a turkey leg, and all right. This, this, this is a little indicative that we showed the episode on a screen here before this podcast began, and a good third of our audience refused to watch it again. Yeah. yeah, and they were upset that we expected they might want Shame. to. I voluntarily stood in the rain to bring Shame. you people turkey legs because I didn't want to watch that scene again. Shame. 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 Too much shame, Belle. There was a couple times, if you ever do feel the urge to rewatch this episode, really watch the nun's face behind her with the shame bell because she is smirking. She loves it. It is unsettling. I would also like to point out that we did get some D. In this scene. And I, I, I defy Greta, even your mother, to have enjoyed that. You know, I, I haven't checked in with her yet, but I know Peter. <clears throat> you may remember. <clears throat> you may that remember. Might need context, yes. <laughs> way back, it must have been the th- second or third episode where the, uh, I guess it was where the sparrows first showed up and they busted yeah. up the brothel. The and High they Septon. Made the for- former, I guess, High yeah. Septon, marched down the road naked. And uh, I said, keep your eye on that. Well, not that. Keep, you know. <laughs> His eyes are up there, Greta. Um, uh, and because that is a foreshadowing, and I think to a certain extent, an inoculation of what was to come because they were implying that they do this to everybody, not just attractive female actresses. They and, did, okay. Yeah, that was them setting up the fact that they wanted to do that scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was interesting to me was, just in passing, was. The titties. No. um, (laughs) Yeah. That when Cersei was confessing, 
And I thought that the show has done a really good job of showing what like intense isolation and what kind of torture that is and how desperate you can become, Yeah, which is relevant to all kinds of current events. And she's like, I will do anything to get out of here. Things I never thought I would do before I spent however long in here. But even then, she would not confess to her central crime and her central secret. Yeah. And it was really interesting because she absolutely denied that, even in her moment of absolute, what's the word, vulnerability and desperation when she was confessing these things she had done, when she was abasing herself, no way. And her, the intensity of that was so, well, it was both impressive and also kind of true to life. I mean, it's like O.J. Simpson swearing he didn't kill anybody. At a certain point, you, once you've staken your life on a falsehood, it can become even more compelling than the truth is. And, and I thought that, that was interesting. And that the person, the only person who she in that state maybe still has any affection for, those are the people who are hurt the most by that fact. Her right. son and her yeah, brother. Yeah, and that's another way of reading it, which I didn't think of, and you're absolutely right. That, that those are the only that, people she cares about. She's protecting, at the time, she thinks, her two surviving children. Because as Ned says in the first episode, if, as soon as anybody finds out who the kid's real parents are, they're dead. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting thing. The and walk. all the Emmys. Can we just say all the Emmys? Give her an Oscar. Give her she's a Tony. Really good. I give mean, her no, a, she, that scene. She's always been very, very good. Lena yeah, you Hedler. know, I did. I was surprised to actually feel bad for her. I did. Yeah. Again, like I said, they punish the yeah. hell out of people who deserve it and make you ask yourself, really? Is that what I wanted? It was really interesting to me the way they shot that scene. It went on forever. Yeah, it did. What was really interesting was, again, the way it was set up is she comes out and she looks across the city and she sees the red keep in the distance. And so it's like, yes, that's how far it's going to be. And they do not imply that, then cut away to the end. They make you watch it. Apparently it took three days to shoot. Yeah. And we discussed this as like that is... Sometimes actually Lena Headley naked, sometimes a body double. Yeah, because three Peter straight days it. of that crowd scene involving, yeah, really. Yeah. And, and then, but then the, the turn on a dime too, because just the watching her face through that scene as she starts to like, she's keeping it together, she starts to cry. As soon as she gets past the people and is in just in front of the guards who she doesn't really see as people, right? She really starts to ugly cry and then she gets <laughs> inside and then the, the quickness that she turns when she's in the arms yeah. of Frankenmountain is like, oh, she's back. And she, this did not break her. This is going to make her even more terrifying. Yeah, that look on her face was really scary. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, this didn't actually break her at all. She's just going to be that much scarier. I have to say, I don't remember from the books how much follow-up they have on that. But it is interesting to me. I mean, I, I said a moment ago that it's unrealistic to expect a series of traumatic events to change people. I think what I really meant was it's unrealistic to expect a series of traumatic events to change people for the better. I think that it would would make a lot of sense just from a character psychological point of view if Cersei is even more twisted and weird and hateful and angry after this horrific thing than she was before, which is saying something. Isn't this fun, guys? (laughs) Yeah, it's the best. Okay, so the wall? The wall. wall? Are we going to the wall? (sighs) Okay, so we're going to... We're going to start with John and Sam. That felt to me like a very, like a counseling session almost. Yeah. Yeah. They were both talking about their feelings a lot. And Sam said he got some. The world is working out for someone. Yeah. It's a good line. 
That was yeah. the, that was a good line. It was like, dude, bro, you got some. Hey, good on you. <laughs> that little good smirk from Sam. You. Yeah, yeah. I, did you guys? I was a little disappointed in our friend Sam for abandoning John because in the book, it's a change in the book. In the book, John orders Sam to leave because he wants him to become a maester. In obviously, as we saw in the TV show, it's Sam's idea, which is definitely a change. And it really shows a certain, I don't know, change in Sam. He was so blindly puppy-like loyal, and now he's like, hey, I got some. I'm going to get me some more. <laughs> yeah, I think... In Old Town. In Old Town. I also think that us watching him fail miserably when he tried to fight is also just an indication that he realized that he's, he can't protect John right, there any more than he can protect himself or Gilly or Little Sam. Which mentions. Yeah. He's no good to the fight that's going to come there. He's... Gotta go learn some stuff about dragon glass. Right. Somebody needs to. And even Stannis knew that. That there was a value in having some actual knowledge of history. I had this, I don't know if any of it, you or anybody listening had this reaction, but the, the scene opens with John explaining, just the camera just on him, he's saying, he's talking about, it, and then he raises his arms and the dead rose, and my God, there's so many of them. And my initial thinking was, oh, John is giving the report to his superiors who will do something. And then the camera pulls back, and of course he's talking to Sam, and you realize he is the superior. There's yeah. nobody above him to help, to go to, to plead with for more support, to ask for reinforcements, to, you know, he, there's no, it's, he's, he's it. And in a weird way, that made Sam's saying, oh, by the way, oh, that was really interesting to hear, John. I'm, I'm really sad about the, the zombies and uh, everybody <laughs> who was killed and uh, all the bad things. By the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> Already packed. And it really made his his request and almost like a more of a betrayal, I think, than I would have expected. Because he, he is, as we now see, he has no friends once Sam leaves. And Sam, I mean, Sam would have just died, too. I'm fine with Sam getting out of Dodge. Yeah, they probably would have killed Sam, too, when they killed John. That's yeah, true. I feel like he can live out his potential better as a maester. Right. But what about bro code? <laughs> Man says he saw your uncle at Hardo on the last full moon. I could be lying. Could be. There are ways to find out. Where is he? Over there. <laughs> For the watch. <laughs> So here's the question, everybody. Wait. Well, first, I want to ask you this. Do you think that the, shall we say, mutiny, the reaction of the Black Brothers for the watch was justified in their eyes, even though we know that John's the best? Do you think that the... Yeah, a little clap for John. Oh, wow. Do we think, do <laughs> we think that from their perspective it makes sense? No. Yes. No. No, they're dicks. <laughs> Anybody Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. Does anybody say yes who didn't read the book? <laughs> yeah. Ah, really? Okay. Because in the books, John's behavior is... I mean, I think actually George R. R. Martin, he has many, many skills, but one of the things he does in that section of the book is John is doing all these things that make sense to him. 
um, including burning the wildings of the wall. His actions are more extreme for, in various and complicated ways. But like, one thing he does, he says, okay, take these bodies, put them in cells and watch them because I want to see if they come to life. And you realize that from someone who hasn't seen what John has seen, that that's sounds crazy. crazy. Mm-hmm. So when it happens in the book, and the same thing happens in the book, and that's how we find John's story's ending at the end of the fifth book, he's like, yeah, I can see how he screwed that up. He really acted in a way that was totally crazy and alienating to his crew and probably made them think their lives were in danger by his actions. There was this moment, too, when I was watching the blood grow in the snow yeah. behind John where I thought, but he can't possibly be dead because he's the best one. And then I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Remember what happened to Ned Stark? So that brings up the second question, and this is the question that has been obsessing readers of the books for the last three years. Is Jon Snow dead? No. No. Does anybody have any evidence as opposed to they really don't want him to be dead. I I have a reason. It's Melisandre. It's Melisandre like you. that is so awkward for her to have just shown up otherwise. Yeah. We know she has powers. I could, you could argue that she knew all along that John was really the one who ha- is the He's rightful the heir to the Prince throne, of Prophecy, and that's why she tried to do him. Yeah. And so obviously she would show up at this really convenient time to bring him back from the dead. Well, I will say this. I have been wondering, since they had the scene with the Brotherhood Without Banners and Beric Dondarrion and his resurrection, why they bothered with that bit if they weren't going to do the Lady Stoneheart stuff, which we talked about last time, and they didn't do that. So why has that promise of resurrection been sitting around for two and a half seasons if this is, I mean, if they're not going to pay it off. And it seems as if they might pay it off with good old John. And tell me this, because I went down an internet rabbit hole last night to make sure that John isn't dead. In the book, the last thing he says is ghost. Oh. So he can hop over into his dire wolf, hop over, <laughs> and just like be a wolf for a while, like Animorph style. <laughs> And then let the red woman do her thing. And then it's like, it's all good. It's all good. This is my really well-informed internet theory. (laughs) I can tell you put a lot into that. Wow. Can we hear, like, how many people here think that Jon Snow is legitimately actually dead? Wow. Okay. We've got a couple. We've got a very few. Thank you for being audacious. It's it's very interesting. I mean, because I kind of stand with those people. It's very hard for me to, even though... George R. R. Martin has done two things. A, he has shown that he will kill off anybody whenever he wants. And secondly, he, as I described, especially in the book and also in the TV show, justified the death so that it makes sense from a narrative point of view. Yeah, but Jon Snow. That's the other argument. Basically, it's like, <laughs> well, you know, you, you have a narrative which really has shown Ned itself. Stark. Yeah, but Ned Stark. We like yeah, him. But the story is about the Stark children, right? Like well, the main thought characters. thought the story was about Ned Stark. There are other Stark children <laughs> still out there. Who thought the story was about Ned Stark, though, really? Everybody <laughs> did. Everybody I mean, did. It's Sean Bean. Like two episodes. When does Sean Bean die unexpectedly? Come now. <laughs> Keyword being unexpected. In Game of Thrones. In everything. <laughs> but that's another story. So, no, I mean, basically the only reason... <laughs> The only reason to think that Jon Snow is still alive is because everybody wants him to be alive. And also, 
And Everybody. also, it's really fucking awkward that what's her face is there if she's not going to be. <laughs> I, can I give? Can I, I don't know the name of the actress playing Melisandre, but her look and her face when she came back, <laughs> and they're like, "What? What happened to Stannis? And where's Shireen?" And she's like, "She totally did a shrug wah, emoji wah. at them." She's like, "Yeah, yeah weird well, shrug you know, thing. I just, I just need a moment." <laughs> and I thought that was, I thought that was some nice face acting, as we say in the business. Uh, But anyway, moving on. So Jon Snow may or may not be alive, and there's all kinds of internet speculation, because on the one hand, Kit Harington, the actor, said, nope, I'm dead, I ain't coming back. On the other hand, there were news stories that said that the actor Kit Harington was given a huge raise for season six, that's next season. So, and and we just don't know. They could be playing with our heads. He, He also, it was interesting, he talked about getting what is now called the Tony Soprano walk. (laughs) <laughs> and the Tony Soprano walk is when the producers of the show come over to you and say, Kit, come here. And you walk away, and they tell you you're about to die. That's what's now called the Tony Soprano walk. I love that, that the HBO Tony Soprano lives. be such an interesting place to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, you know, they... Well, Trisha made me watch the little producer's cut yeah. thing after the yeah. episode. inside the episode. Yeah. Where they never say anything. Well, they nothing did they say, say that nothing. he was dead. They were like, yeah, here's where Jon Snow dies. But... Dying in a world where resurrection through right, magic I is mean, possible. You know, I still don't think he's dead, but I just felt like I should point out. I mean, it's TV. They do whatever they want. Right. There's magic in this world. I, for example, dead for sure. I, for example, gave up on Aliens <laughs> after the second movie, so Newt is still alive. <laughs> and she's doing really well. <laughs> it's what, I, in my world, she's great. She and Sigourney Weaver and Ripley are still in touch. They talk every day. Really? Oh, yeah. going to keep going? Yep. Okay. No autopsy on my news. None. Didn't happen. Recommendations, I believe. Time I do. Recommendations. So, <laughs> so really quickly, we've kind of been doing this the whole episode. We've been giving some predictions. So my predictions, just to round up, are uh, Stannis not dead, Jon Snow not dead. I just, you know, I just, a lot of people not dead. My predictions, not so much death as we think Yeah. from this. I will say, I think I've said before, I don't like making predictions when I don't have any inside knowledge to make me seem smarter than I are. Wait. M said Stannis. <laughs> wow. I can't but, believe you just did that. I know, but no, I just uh, it makes me scared. But I, I think Stannis is dead because his narrative has come to a very uh, a satisfactory end. His arc is finished. There's really nothing more for him to do. I, this is a famous story among nerds. I'm sure you don't need to know it. But Should we play a jingle before he tells the story? Just really quick. One more jingle. We, we, we play them all now, haven't we? Yeah, but I mean, you know. Pick your favorite. It can't hurt. If Peter's opinion falls in the forest, does anybody give a shit? It's a good one. That's a good one for this. Do you remember in... uh, You've all heard this story that for the third Star Wars movie, the third real Star Wars movie, Return Uh, of the Jedi, Harrison Ford (laughs) pleaded with George Lucas to kill off Han Solo. And his argument was, there's nothing more for him to do. And Harrison Ford was right. Han Solo had gone through that transformation that we talked about earlier. He'd found his heart and his loyalty... He had found love with Princess Leia. His journey was done. 
And so his death really would have been, in a weird way, satisfactory, not in the way we think of real human beings. Like, I would never say to you, Trisha, oh, Trisha, you found love and success and, 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 and really fulfilled your potential. Now I, I shall kill you. I would say, you know, but in fictional stories, there's nothing left for him to do. There's nothing left for Stannis to do. The storyline has concluded. Ended. It has concluded in what I think ended. is a very bitter, if satisfactory way. He has made his choices. He has paid his price. There's no reason. If I was the showrunner, there's no reason to keep that guy alive. What else does he have to do except sit around and say, man, did I fuck that up? <laughs> and that happens only in real life, not on TV shows. <laughs> so I don't think Stannis is alive. But go on. Well, that was, that was it. Those are my main predictions. Greta, what do you think happens in season six? Or what do you want to happen in I season six? I think Sansa is fine. Stannis is dead. Cersei is pissed. Jamie <laughs> is in trouble. Danny is screwed. And Jon Snow is coming. You just want a job writing the episode descriptions. I do. I am deep. That's exactly what they read yeah. like. What did the episode descriptions say about this? Oh, my God. Jon Snow that. encounters a problem. You know, that's, they're always so... They're always so mild. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Stannis has a bad day. 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 There will I be no to. siege. Brienne, I will say Brienne is standing around somewhere outside Winterfell, so I bet she hooks up uh, yeah. in, of course, the chivalric sense. Maybe she'll with run Sansa. over in time to catch Sansa <laughs> when she jumps off. <laughs> I could see that could happen. No, I, I really, I, I have, I, I have no predictions other than the obvious. We'll see lots more of Tyrion and Marine. We'll see, obviously, what happens with Theon and Sansa. I think they're alive. Um, I don't think. I think it would be really disappointing if we, if we wait a year, a goddamn year, and we the first scene of the first episode is they're all standing around the broken bodies of Sansa oh, and Theon. Jeez, why did they do that? <laughs> that was pretty dumb. You guys, this IMDb, can I read this? Yeah, Please. this is the actual episode oh my description. God. Okay, Stannis marches. Danny is surrounded by strangers. <laughs> Cersei seeks forgiveness. John is challenged. <laughs> the, 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 I do the, want the six that daggers job. in can his chest is a challenge. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. So predictions. But one of the things we wanted to do, and, and we will enlist our audience's help, is that Game of Thrones is now over for the year. Ten episodes, that's all we get every year. We have to wait till next April for season six. And I think that as much as we all could, sitting around and talking about Game of Thrones for the remaining, whatever, eight, ten months is really sad. I'm not so going to let you do that, Peter. What we're all going to do is the three of us are going to recommend things that you might enjoy. And I, I, by you, I mean Game of Thrones fans in the interim and then uh, later on uh, not very far along indeed we're going to ask you guys along with any questions you might have you want to discuss or points you want to make if you have any recommendations of things that your fellow Game of Thrones nerds might enjoy to uh, based on their love of Game of Thrones to spend the time and expand their universe in the next 10 months we will ask for your recommendations as well but all that said Trisha do you want to go with yours? I just have one and it is the movie Jason and the Argonauts which I remember from, I think, watching in middle school in a Greek mythology phase. Anybody else in the room going to admit to having a Greek mythology phase? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm with my people. Obviously. I just, you know, there's not many rooms I can, like, shout that in and get, like, that much positive this feedback. This is why it's really we made nice. at you guys. Uh, so that movie is fun because, you know, if you're missing the skeleton army of Game of Thrones, you get a very comical one in that film. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's, it's campy in the way that a lot of the stuff we were playing as pre-roll is when you look back on it. But it's also a fun telling of the tale of the Golden Fleece and Jason and all of that. 
Greta? I am going to recommend a book because I don't watch movies and I read a lot of books. And I'm thinking, actually, this is a trilogy, which also kind of fits into the whole Game of Thrones thing, right? Except there's supposed to be seven of those. But anyway, His Dark Materials. The first book is called The Golden Compass. Yes. These are books for young readers, but I guarantee you will like them even at your advanced ages. (laughs) The Golden Compass is written by Philip Pullman. And it's not, they're very distinctly different storylines, obviously, from Game of Thrones. This is not really like a medieval story of who will take over the Iron throne but there are some parallels the theology aspect Mm -hmm. i think is really strong in the golden compass and in a way that is sort of similar to game of thrones and there are like creepy spirit animal things that are sort of like the dire wolves and also just the magic of the north i think is really strong in the golden camp compass and yeah coming from alaska and you know, love they're, they're arguably better books than the Game of Thrones books. Yeah, they're, they're really excellent, beautiful. Excellent, excellent books. One so of the reasons, one of the reasons I love those books and completely uh, endorse your, your recommendation is you Thanks, remember. Peter. Yes, Greta. <laughs> I will allow it. Is that <laughs> we really wasted some of those patriarchy jiggles yeah, before we got to that moment? No, is because you he's remember feeling the whole, free the whole now deal. He the whole we ran out of them. The whole ridiculously stupid thing about Harry Potter being satanic and like, you know, very conservative Christians saying you can't read Harry Potter. His Dark Materials, the trilogy, is actually satanic. satanic. (laughs) It really is. God is the enemy and Satan is the hero. And somebody once asked Philip Pullman, the author, about that. Like, why don't the people who were also upset about Harry Potter, why don't they cotton on to the fact that your books are genuinely Satanist? And he basically said something along the lines of, the people who would be upset about that are too stupid to understand Ooh. my books. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The so there you go. And then he dropped the mic. Check it out. Novice. It's really good. I have two, of, I, well, technically three. I'm going to say three. Uh, <laughs> very disparate recommendations. One is a TV show. I've mentioned it on this podcast before. It's Spartacus, which is known as Spartacus on Stars, and you can watch it on Netflix. I think it's there now, if you're not a star subscriber. And there are certain things that hasn't come with Game of Thrones and certain things that does not. And the things, I will stress the things that does not. It is not nearly as well written or produced. It doesn't have the same seriousness of tone. There's not as many conversations about broad themes of civilization and humanity and politics. But (laughs) it has uh, three things that I think Games of Thrones watchers enjoy. First of all, lots of gratuitous nudity. If you thought Game of Thrones had lots of racks and butts, oh, wait till you get a load of Spartacus. Um, <laughs> in, an incredible amount of over-the-top violence. It's insane. Really? If you like, wa- if more you, violence? Someone yes. in the audience just went, no, it's if awesome. You, if, if you saw the movie 300 and you were like, I like this, but I wish it had more computer-generated spurts of blood as people are bisected by swords... <laughs> then Spartacus is for you. So if you like your fight scenes and you like your gratuitous nudity, this will absolutely tide you over to the next season of Game of Thrones. But it actually has something that makes it worthwhile more than just the gratuitous fights and nudity, which is like Game of Thrones, it is a show about a place and a time, in this case, Rome, ancient Rome, where anybody will and can do anything they can get away with. We talked about that. One of the things that make Games of Thrones so interesting is there's no rules, there's no laws other than the laws people make so people can betray, can kill, can murder if they think that the people they're fighting will give them a chance to do it and there's no punishment. 
Like Game of Thrones, it has a habit of killing off beloved characters, which keeps you on your toes. What's interesting about it is that they film one season with an actor in the lead who then tragically died of cancer, really quite, well, not funny or interesting at all. What it means is, is that what was supposed to be a multi-series event, really only the first season, in my view, is worth watching. So watch season one of Spartacus, and then things changed because they couldn't help it. The book recommendation, two books, actually, about... So four things. Yeah, man. Spartacus is a season, and then two books. That's three things. Uh, two, two books, Can't two do books math about after 10 p.m. Two, two books set in the medieval world, which uh, I really enjoyed reading, uh, and they're very readable. One is a fiction book called *The Fool's Tale* by my old friend Nicole Gallant. Really good, set in medieval Wales. Mm. It's a love triangle set in an interesting medieval time when the politics were much like *Game of Thrones*, with some action but mostly a lot of intrigue, and it's really quite good. And the last one is a book that no one else has ever I've ever seen it mentioned. It's called *The Galleys at Lepanto*. And it is about, it's a nonfiction book. It is about one of the most important battles you've never heard of. It was a naval battle that happened, I think, in the 14th century between the forces of Venice, Europe, the Christian West, and the Ottoman East. And it happened at Lepanto. And it was a naval battle. No, it was later. It was 17th century. Cervantes fought in it. He was there. What? And it is a, yeah, he was. And, uh... It's, <laughs> like how angry you are about that, Greta. I just don't believe Of that. all the things I've read about the real-life Middle Ages, it's this most like Game of Thrones. There are these characters, these nobles, these warriors, this incredible politics, betrayals, alliances, and it builds up to a huge battle between, depending on your point of view, the forces of good and the forces of evil. So it's really, it's like a non-fiction Game of Thrones, and I really, I really liked it. And so I think people might enjoy that. That reminds me of Wolf Hall, too, which is a good one. Yeah. to thank. We do want to thank WBEZ and Joe Dassault and Joe Brad Dassault Helm for Brad Helm. making the show possible tonight. Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music wrote our theme song. Paul and Storm wrote our patriarchy jingles. <laughs> the good people of Cards Against Humanity are letting us use this fabulous space that they have. Thank you to them. Thank you to Pipeworks for the free beer. Yay, Pipeworks. And thank you to Southern Pitch for braving the rain, coming out and providing you all with turkey legs. So thank you, everyone. And thanks to all of you for coming, guys. Yeah, thanks for making it out here in the rain. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you all for coming and joining us at Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. This may be the worst, but you guys are the best. Yay! Thanks, everybody. Get home safe. Go Hawks and stuff. Hey, Peter, thank you, too. Yes. Oh, God. hilarious. Yeah, thanks, I Peter. Had, the, the scary thing is I've had so much more fun doing this with you than I do with my other show. <laughs> it's actually terrifying. And I'm a little concerned We're going to give those jingles to your show, Steph. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's hoping. <laughs> no, well, thanks think again, it, you guys. Thank you guys for coming, and thanks for listening. Have a good one. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.